0: From Jerusalem to all our viewers, this is another edition of Middle Eastern Review. And with me in the studio, as usual, my good friend and colleague, uh, Colonel Reserve Iran Lerman, PhD. <laughs> and uh, welcome again.
1: Thank you. Uh, plenty I, uh, to talk about.
0: Yes. I, well, I think that, that we should just uh, mention that uh, uh, this week uh, is the week of um, hopefully reconciliations in Israel uh, and that uh, there is going to be opposition and coalition getting into some uh, negotiations and some uh, talks. And this is a good sign, I think, for uh, for all of us, because this will uh, give the attention again of our leaders to the real things that are uh, at stake, mm-hmm. namely Iran, other issues as well. But I think that Iran is probably the highest on the agenda. Iran is uh, making no mince about really trying to run through and maybe break through to a uh, nuclear uh, device. We know that uh, they already have enriched up to 84% uranium, and from there to the 90 is just a matter of days, if not hours, I would say. And... Um, For that matter, maybe we would start Iran with uh, General Milley, the uh, chairman of the (coughs) Joint Chiefs, who uh, also was here in uh, TV7 and who made a very interesting comment.
1: Yeah. um, He said that for a number of administrations already, the American position was that Iran would not be allowed to have a fielded nuclear weapon. Now, the word field, uh, that may have been the position of previous administrations, but it was not. Mentioned as such, that the criteria is actually a fielded weapon, a weapon, a deliverable weapon.
0: Well, oh, I have to. I have to say one thing. I remember, you know, since when I was in Washington and and, and throughout uh, my time in uh, in the, the foreign ministry was that there was always a nuance. You know, Israel said, you know, our trad- our traditional position was we should not allow Iran to develop nuclear weapons, and the Americans always said we would not allow Iran to possess. Nuclear. There is a, a, a quite a difference here, and now it seems like from possessing, it's going. You know, a, another slide on a slippery slope about a field that means like an operational
1: right, deployed. Nuclear, deploy, deployed, yes. And of course, there is a difference between a device, which is what the United States tested in July 45, and a bomb, which is what they dropped on Japan twice in August. The difference may not be very, uh, a a device is too big to be delivered, too too cumbersome. But uh, once you have developed the capacity to to actually uh, tool The the bomb itself, the difference between a device and a bomb could be way too short to be effective for action. So uh, the Israeli position is clearly different. And uh, the question, of course, is whether uh, prevention would take the form of uh, something very dramatic or of actions, cumulative actions, to prevent Iran from developing the capacity to, to build a, a deliverable weapon. And um, this is a ve- what this requires is a very close, intimate understanding between Israel and its own agencies, uh, the American intelligence community, the American uh, uh, military, specifically CENTCOM, Central Command, which has trained with Israel in January on, on offensive scenarios. Um, it, it, on one hand, we need to be very, very closely coordinated with the Americans. And of course, it would be easier to do so if Israel is in less of a, an internal internal turmoil. At the same time, Israel must also reserve its uh, freedom to act according to its own lights and to, to defend our, our future, our ability to survive in the region, um, as we have done in the past. Uh, whether this would mean a major all-out offensive or something quite different and and more more nuanced. and Some people say this is already going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we must retain, and I think it's important for for the United States, uh, it's important for our regional partners, that Israel should uh, be perceived uh, as sustaining its own freedom of action. And
0: also having the political will and I think uh, hopefully we are now out of this uh, internal distractions. And um, there is no doubt that Israel has uh, enormous capabilities, maybe not to take out the entire infrastructure in Iran, but uh, certainly to delay and, uh, and push it uh, forward for uh, some years. But uh, I think that we should dwell, really, take some, uh, maybe do a stock taking on the Iranian situation. Because on the one hand, we see that Iran is moving ahead. On the other hand, internally they have uh, pretty much quelled this uh, hijab demonstrations. It's Although not it's, not, it's not over, it's not over, but it's still going
1: f- on. But it uh, doesn't look currently as if it's a threat yes. to the regime's survival, which and they may have been the case. So may have looked seemed to be the case. Yes, and and they feel uh, it seems ago.
0: like the uh, the Iranian, the Ayatollahs, the uh, Revolutionary Guards seem to be a little bit more confident now that things are. Under control. You know, under control at home, so they can really expand with their nefarious activities um, in the region and and even uh, even far from the region. I think that the manifestation of uh, brazen uh, Iranian. Um, um, operation is the attacks on uh, American uh, military uh, uh, bases, uh, northern Syria, In northern which Syria. caused uh, the killing of one civilian who worked for the uh, yeah, military. contractor And a contractor and, uh, contractor and, and a few um, um, injuries. Mm-hmm. So there was an exchange of uh, really
1: serious uh, uh, code yeah. pro. Uh, with the Iranians drew blood. They wow. drew blood. And the Americans uh, responded at least once after after this loss. they did attack uh, how, specifically IRGC locations in in Syria, um, which caused and the Iranians, then the Iranians to retaliated, and the Americans more or less said, "We will act it uh, 's a very familiar phrase for Israelis. We will act at the moment of our right. choice right." And, of course, that this moment of choice is sometimes very often driven by having actionable intelligence. and You right. can close yeah, an exactly. attack cycle on somebody who are, you're looking for um, rather than just drop some ordinance uh, in the Iran. sand.
0: These skirmishes uh, occurred when Biden, President Biden, was in a state visit in Canada. He wasn't in Washington at the time. And the, um, the one statement that he made was that they do not want you know, any um, confrontation with Iran, but a decisive action would take place if challenged, if the Iranians will challenge the Americans.
1: Yeah, uh, you can read it both ways. You can say, well, he is giving them a a signaling that there will be a response, but the overall reluctance to be drawn into another conflict in the region uh, is probably perceived in Tehran as a sign of American hesitation if not weakness and uh, this is also the problem is that this is also the perception clearly elsewhere in the region uh,
0: hence we saw the uh, rapprochement and actually uh, renewing relationship between Saudi Arabia and Iran under the auspices of
1: China, China. not only the auspices um, in, a, in a manner quite deliberately designed to send a signal uh, the Chinese ensured that the uh, exchanges were conducted, of course, in Arabic, Farsi, with a Mandarin translator. So English was sort of being, um, let's say, uh, sweeped. Ignored. Down, ignored. <laughs> or, or uh, for the first time, a major international event yes. was taking place with no, no uses, usage of English. That's, I think, part you know, open of… Open
0: a parenthesis, you know, until, you know, the 19th century the diplomatic language was French. 20th century, it was English. I hope when we uh, are in the midst of the 21st, we will not see the Chinese replacing (laughs) the English as the international diplomatic language.
1: There are plenty of uh, interesting jokes about these. Uh, (laughs) The the computer giving a a forecast for
0: 2050
1: uh, in Chinese. But. at the end of the day, uh, there are limits to the ability of uh, of Beijing to supplant uh, the United States as the uh, integrator of strategic defense uh, for Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states. At the uh, the uh, U.S. military is there. The uh, militaries of the Gulf states are built uh, uh, and equipped by the Americans. Uh, this is not something that you can uh, replace... Overnight or even over a uh, uh, month, it takes years to to uh, change the uh, orientation and the base of a tech milita- modern uh, military with its technologies, so that the Chinese are not yet. Replacing the American. Of course. But they are, this was a way for the Saudis to send a signal to Biden and for he to send a signal to, to Biden that uh, the American uh, quest for regional and international leadership, not hegemony, but leadership, um, does not sit, sit well with the way the Saudis want the US to act vis-a-vis Iran mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and clearly the Chinese are looking to, to build the uh, image of an alternative yes, yes, world order. Yes, Iran,
0: in my mind the the Americans are still reaping the or eating the sour grapes from Obama's time and, when they talked about the pivoting. Uh, the declaration and also of
1: the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan oh, still was, uh, yes,
0: it was uh, it was uh, catastrophic. Absolutely the vis- the optics were so bad. Almost uh, as bad as, as Vietnam of nineteen seventy
1: and the delusion that somehow you're dealing with Taliban uh, 2.0 whatever it's right. the, the same old vile right. 1.0 right. repressive murderous right. regime and yes it has left uh, I think we have also many in the region worried
0: we yeah this is also part of the understanding of world affairs and diplomacy even if you do want I'm talking from the perspective of the United States as the world's superpower still, and I hope will continue to be, uh, and I believe it will continue to be, but uh, uh, even if they want to pivot and put more attention to the Far East, rightly so, don't announce in such a bombastic way by Secretary of State then at the time Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. and Obama, we are pivoting. Don't do it. I mean, there are ways to do it, and the U.S. uh, still has the wherewithal, you know, to keep a minimal presence here in the in the middle east that would not really encourage others to come in like the russians which failed basically and the chinese which are succeeding
1: and when you pivot uh, you need a hinge for the pivot and and our region has some strate- first of all it has a geopolitical significance for the chinese because it's the more or less the terminus or, or the semi terminal Uh, area for the Belt and Road
0: initiative. And also the major reservoir of oil. Just as the United States does not need the Middle East oil,
1: China, China China is China and and India do. Of course. And so whoever um, manages the affairs of the region, I'm not saying dominates, helps manage and stabilize the affairs of the region, will have a major influence on the balance of power in Asia, uh, looking at least to the next... uh, Generation uh, mm-hmm. when when dependence on fossil fuel will mm-hmm. still be there. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, it is a uh, it is a, a, a tricky situation. Uh, it was certainly a blow um, to Israeli expectations uh, nurtured on both sides of the of the aisle by outgoing Prime Minister Lapid when he spoke when he left his position and by Netanyahu when he came in and. Uh, <laughs> Um, three months ago, that Saudi Arabia uh, would perhaps be the great m- major uh, acquisition, so to speak, uh, for the Abraham Accor- the Abraham Accords, and uh, Sa- Saudi Arabia, uh, that Saudi Arabia that that tries to mend its fences with Iran, is not likely to, to move. Uh, Anywhere closer to Israel in the the immediate and intermediate future.
0: And certainly as long as uh, King Salman is still uh, sitting on the throne.
1: So that's an issue. Although, uh, and and of course, there were problems uh, arising because of some uh, radical positions taken by some Israeli ministers and so on. There were tensions arising also with the countries we already have. signed peace treaties with, uh, uh, agreements with, under the Abraham Accord. On the other hand, we also saw the signing of a free trade agreement uh, with the United Arab Emirates. There are ongoing talks with with Morocco on on military matters and so on. Uh, So the the picture is is mixed.
0: Yes. Well, we have to remember also that, well, yeah, it's... uh, it seems like the Abraham Accords are really uh, based on very um, fundamental, joint, you know, common interests between us and the Gulf countries. These have not been uh, changed, and this this will continue. Also, I think we should look more, I mean, in a sober way, at this uh, rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran. Is not uh, necessarily showing that uh, Iran's is increasing its influence. I think it's more because of Saudi interest, first of all, to stop the bloodshed and and their, uh, uh, you know, shedding blood in Yemen, you know, with the, with the Houthis. Yeah, and uh, secondly, I think it was also um, uh, signaling to the United States, you know, after the attack by drones of Aramco in Saudi Arabia, there was no response by the United States. So it seems like the Saudis are just putting on the table, our interests are now most important to us. And unless and until the United States will sober up, you know, we have to do what we have to do. So it's certainly, I don't see it, it's not against Israel, it's not against the Abraham Accord, this new uh, relationship between uh, Tehran and, and Riyadh, but it's a, a real politic by the Saudis.
1: And certainly a way of, of signaling their displeasure to, also, to the Biden administration, yes. whether it's displeasure with the yes. manner in which they've been treated in the past, or their uh, concern about precisely what we started with—American uh, ambiguity as to whether or not Iran should be stopped now from carrying forward its nuclear project as well as its regional subversion—and mm-hmm. interestingly, this is also the uh, has been the month in which Israel, for finally many years of asking. Um, received uh, the accreditation of, uh, President Herzog received the accreditation of the of an ambassador, fully resident ambassador from Azerbaijan, which linked, which ties in with the whole situation because, of course, the, there are acute Azeri-Iranian tensions. Yes, right along
0: the- a very, very long border.
1: It's a significant border, and of course, it's made even more significant from an Iranian point of view. Because there is a uh, some would people say t- some people would say twenty to twenty-five percent of the Iranian population uh, in the northern in, no, in, in the uh, in the north uh, of Iran are uh, Azeris. Some people, Khamenei himself has, has some uh, Azeri roots, yeah. roots. and uh, Azeri if Azeri nationalism uh, re, re, resurfaces as it did in. Uh, in the immediate aftermath of World War II when the Soviets tried to create a separate Azeri state in northern uh, Iran. Uh, all of this worries the Iranians significantly. There's been tensions to the uh, coming almost to the point of uh, of uh, confrontation. And for the Azeris, under these circumstances, to actually decide that this is the moment to uh, finally send an ambassador to, to Israel. That's a fairly important uh, signal.
0: Oh, absolutely, and certainly it uh, strengthened the hands of uh, Israel vis-à-vis Iran. There, there were different talks. You know, of course, nothing is is being, um, you know, uh, declared. You know, all the, you know, all the. Uh, we have say, an old
1: saying in Hebrew that the, no, no blessing comes. Can- <laughs> Come, blessings come only to that which is not visible.
0: That's right. <laughs> but we know covert operations continue and ma- one might uh, you know think that uh, with covert operation this uh, strong relationship mm-hmm. between Israel and Azerbaijan which also have here common interests vis-a-vis Iran is uh, is a very good asset for uh, for Israel and uh, no wonder why the Iranians are so much uh, concerned about it but still uh, if we look at the Iranian, um, you know, regained confidence with all the developments that uh, that we mentioned, I think uh, we still are looking for American leadership, mm-hmm. because I believe that the Iranians have crossed enough red lines to uh, justify the snapback sanctions on them uh, at the United Nations Security Council, mm. and also a credible military threat. I've, I've,
1: uh former National Security Advisor, uh, Mayor Ben Chabat, and myself just published an essay about this in Newsweek. Uh, online, uh, saying exactly the same. That, uh, the one way to avoid the war is to posit a, a credible military threat under these circumstances. I would say that there, there could be another angle uh, to the Iranian uh, decision to, uh, to uh, accept the Chinese initiative which is that the Iranian economy is mm-hmm. in a very bad shape mm-hmm. and for Saudis on one hand and the Chinese on the other could hold the keys to uh, Iran being able to to keep its nostrils above water uh, but but the uh, the situation has deteriorated significantly and may once again lead to the eruption of uh, political disorder we will have to cannot count on it but we, it's worth uh, watching Mm-hmm. So the only country in the region now with serious economic difficulties, uh, it may have a huge uh, imprint on the outcome of the elections in Turkey after the earthquake, its costs, what has been revealed about uh, municipal corruption, but mostly uh, what's happening to the Turkish economy sure. for the last few uh, years. And we
0: discussed it uh, one of the last episodes we had here. last few
1: right. shows. And then Egypt as well is yes. on the verge of serious difficulties. You know, it all goes back to the fact that I, uh, I just learned from, uh, actually from, from one of my students that nobody in the world consumes more wheat than the average Egyptian <laughs> it's, it, it's, uh, and, uh, more It's in, in the form of pita bread. And, uh, and that, that, that made them deeply dependent on exported grain. Mm-hmm. The cost of exported grain uh, exploded.
0: Because of the Ukraine war, before the war, and
1: before the corona, and other problems with the supply chain. And therefore, you have a situation where uh, the Egyptian foreign reserves were depleted just in order to keep the uh, Egyptian people fed, because otherwise there would be a political explosion, like in January 77 under Sadat. And so um, they had to let to float the uh, the Egyptian, the Guinea, the Egyptian pound, uh, and it fell dramatically against the dollar. The situation is fragile, and they Absolutely. need help.
0: And what adds to the um, let's say to the concerns in uh, in Cairo, in Egypt, was that uh, the Saudis, who have been the main benefactor in terms of giving them subsidies or loans, you know, uh, fairly uh, um, low cost uh, loans, are now basically are. Um, Doing the same thing as the World Bank, an international organization, by um, actually conditioning any more uh, supply of funds on some uh, checks and balances and accountability.
1: And Uh, and reform in the holdings of the state, particularly the the military, which Which has held a huge segment of the Egyptian economy for many years. So for us in Israel, of course, was a, a nation of 150 and 5 million. Uh, people on our border. Uh, and uh, the, the Egyptian stability and, and uh, I wouldn't say prosperity because that's probably exaggerated, but sure. some degree of, uh, of uh, sustenance, these are very important matters.
0: No, it's of the utmost importance. Uh, Egypt is still a cornerstone of stability in the region. We've had uh, peace with them for more than... Uh, Uh, which is which is an amazing thing but uh, and we need egypt it seems like to uh, curb or contain hamas in gaza egypt was also very instrumental in the two uh, meetings or uh, conferences of national security advisors of israel palestinians jordan egypt and the united states in order to quiet and quell all the unrest in judea and samaria so uh, it's very very important and uh, we have to uh, Remind our viewers, you know, we are uh, now uh, uh, at the month of Ramadan, mm-hmm. which has always been very, very uh, sensitive in, in, in terms of uh, uh, incitement in the mosques, uh, of the, the Palestinian mosques mm-hmm. against Israel. So far, we have not seen a uptick of violence so far, but we are only the first week of, uh, of Ramadan. But this is also something that uh, we would need. Egyptians and Jordanians uh, cooperation of course basically it's their interest you know otherwise it can spill over any violence sure. here can easily spill over you know we know the Ikhwan the Islamic uh, brotherhood Another. are very strong both in, um, in uh, under the surface, uh, under the yeah. surface, in Egypt and also in Jordan, all
1: behind bars. But of yes.
0: course. But this is why I think the uh, King Abdallah, you know, uh, shows a very stern and tough face against Israel, even though Israel is its main back supporter strategically, mm-hmm. for energy, for water, and for security. But you know, we understand this is
1: the diplomatic game. We understand his uh, plights uh, domestically. Um, I would mention about the Aqaba process in yeah. the Shah sheik meeting, and there will be another one, uh, again in Shah sheik down the road, uh, which brings together the Israeli National Security Advisor, uh, the head of the Internal Security Service, the and others who speak to the Palestinians in any case regularly. But uh, we have to be frank. The Israeli government is divided. Uh, the Prime Minister has authorized his National Security Advisor and his professional team to, to conduct these Uh, talks with uh, some uh, far-reaching recommendations going towards the future with the Palestinian security establishment backed by Jordan and, and Egypt, and of course with the US in the background. But there are people within the government who basically see this... Defy as, that, yes. Who defy That's, this or see this as a, as a dangerous mistake.
0: Yes, and, and we have to remember that uh, here, I guess, just for keeping the, uh, the quiet and, and normalcy as much as possible and save lives, Israelis and mostly Palestinians, you know. Uh, although most of the Palestinian uh, casualties were of terrorists, you know, armed Palestinian mm. terrorists. Uh, but still, you know, Israel's interest is not to kill Palestinians, quite the contrary. We would love them to have as uh, good life as possible with a good economic uh, uh, yes, future. Uh, ab- absolutely. I, I hope that at some point they would have better leaders that, you know, we can really talk about some reconciliation and uh, in, a, in an honest way. We know that we have uh, offered so many concessions in the past, but to no avail. And um, so we have to uh, wait and see. Uh, we mentioned uh, the situation here in, uh, in the Middle East during the Ramadan. So uh, we wish all our uh, Muslim Ramadan uh, Karim. viewers Ramadan uh, Kareem. And uh, meanwhile, you know, we have to keep our eye, and I think this is the eye of every uh, peace-seeking and stability-seeking uh, people in the region, on Iran.
1: As a challenge. As a challenge.
0: So this was another uh, Middle Easter Review. See you the next time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.